0: Happy Sunday, my lovely congregation, and welcome back to Pillow Talk, the interview series of Pussy Church, where I call some of my favorite erotic creators. This is Lara, an erotica writer and the creator of Tales of Lara, which you can find at talesoflara.com and at Tillsoflara on Instagram. And today I'm checking in with sexologist and love honey ambassador Chantelle Otten. We talked about her new book, The Sex Ed You've Never Had, why mainstream porn makes us laugh, and then we answered your most pressing questions. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the special interview edition of Pussy Church, where I talk to some of my favorite creators. And today I'm here with Chantelle Otten, an award-winning sexologist and author of the new book, The Sex Ed You Never Had. Thank you so much for coming back on the
1: show. Oh, my God. I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a i think it's been like a year and a half actually it's been a while
0: it could be yes it's been a while lockdown. you've been
1: on the show oh my god it's
0: been locked on forever i feel like
1: yeah. <laughs> I well i'm glad time, to be here <laughs> the first
0: time we talked i think was actually in lockdown too um mm-hmm. but yeah, it's so great to have you back um i love your work mm-hmm. i'm obsessed with your wisdom and, and now i just read your book which is incredible congratulations thank you What made you want to write a book and what made you want to write a book about sex education?
1: Great, great question. And also, as you know, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time, (laughs) like for years. Like, I don't know, when you started, I was there at the very start, I remember, um, I but <laughs> um, I I didn't want to write a book to be honest. I really didn't want to um, but I feel like I had I had to um, it was kind of I'm as a sexologist so I'm a, I provide sexual therapy to people I have a psych background um, and I run like a, a really large sexology clinic in Australia and I see you know thousands of patients each year coming in and out of the clinic and everyone had the same lack of sexual education that came in they all had really basic questions a lot of them Mm. that could help them figure out their journey in an easier way and for me I just felt like this sucks like why didn't we have a good foundation of sex education so we didn't run into you know these kind of problems later down Mm -hmm. the line and why didn't we get filled with confidence when we uh were learning about sexuality so i just kind of thought not that i want to write this book it's that i need to write this book because i want my patients to have somewhere to go a safe space for them to explore these topics in the privacy of their own um home safe spaces whatever it is without having to go down dr google uh mm-hmm. and you know be trolling really scary websites sometimes i had a friend <laughs> around the other day who just got a uh a genital herpes diagnosis and she was like fuck like do i have to use condoms with every partner and do i have to tell every single one and it says that i have to use a dental dam for oral sex every single time for the rest of my life now and i'm like like what website's a, a, a she's like every website's so scary, so um oh, that's true, yeah,
0: yeah. web so m d
1: <laughs> <yes>, web and, <laughs> web and d like they're two good things, but <laughs> they're pretty intense, so I just thought I'd better create something that is a little bit more fun that makes sex sexy again, that teaches you about anatomies, menstrual cycles, you know, gender orientation, and and just make it a bit more light. And it is just a very basic foundation of sex education But I yeah. know so far. I mean, it's... um it's gone beyond what I ever thought it would be, and it's a bestseller now, and it's oh, fantastic so many people. So something that I didn't quite enjoy the journey of has actually worked out to be really good in the long run. What's so
0: interesting with sex education, um, I've talked on this podcast about it so many times, and I, um, I think it's just so interesting that we get basically no education right (laughs) and if we do it's kind of fear-based um and abstinence is the goal it feels like most of the time um and that there is so little information but then when we become adults we're supposed to be um like sex masters or something like that we're supposed to know everything about everything and you're supposed to go into like an encounter being a porn star or something where you've never been told anything and i think it's just so such a setup for failure for people or not even failure but maybe for shame or for fear that all shouldn't really be part of your bedroom experience right or your intimacy
1: yeah 100 percent. well because we watch pornography and the porn Mm. tells us that um the porn tells us that this is how we're meant to be behaving and it's meant to be wild and there's squirting and there's no consent and there's no condoms and (laughs) um you know you're all meant to look a certain way and your penis is this big and your vulva has no hair and it's yeah it's just like really like there are amazing ethical porn sites out there now that are much more realistic Mm. uh but yeah it's it's, it's still fantasy enough, though. It.
0: <laughs> but even even the ethical porn is still fantasy, right? If if you don't yeah. really understand that that is I think it's it's wonderful to watch porn and sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think people are told that it's reality maybe it's a little bit like mm. instagram right <laughs> where people yeah. are like oh is everybody having this fabulous life where you're like well it's all kind of a commercial and then you just need to know that so you don't start imagining things about you know the reality mm. um, of your life and how it differs and the same mm. with porn if you see it's a fa- as a fantasy you can enjoy it as a fantasy mm. um just to know that it won't look exactly the same. And kind of thank God, to be honest, mm. when I watch porn, I don't know how you feel, but then if I watch some mainstream porn, I'm like, thank God my sex life doesn't look like that sometimes. Oh it, looks insane, <laughs> huh? it looks a bit painful. It looks a bit sore. It looks, yeah, it looks crazy. And then you're just sometimes <laughs> you look inducing. at, the, I look at like, the women's faces and I'm like, I don't think she's having fun. Like this is oh. this is being a little crazy.
1: There's nothing worse. <laughs> I don't know about you. There's nothing worse than trying to eat into watching a good porn film and you're like, cool, this is like this one's going to be ethical and it's going to be a lot more realistic and and then you just hear that unrealistic sound that comes out of the woman's mouth. and I'm <laughs> yes. like can you're not enjoying this. why are you making that voice? And I know she's before me it's not her fault. she's been told that she has to do that but I'm like, oh, Bummer for me because i really really looking forward to this one.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> really took me out of this.
1: Damn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's,
0: yeah, and I think with anatomy, it's also a really good point actually um, about, you know, if you even you consider like bleached assholes and like everything that is like done um, mm. t- that porn stars do to their bodies because they're performers, right, and that won't look like that in real life.
1: Mm, 100%, 100%.
0: So I read your book and I think it's fantastic. I wish I would have read that when I was 14 or something. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) To to educate myself and to like, um, you know, get it in like a way more joyful way too. And I think there's this Mm -hmm. thing called pleasure-based sex education, which I think is such a nice way of like Mm -hmm. approaching the subject where this is like a safe space, like you said. What are the things that, you think most people don't know that surprises you um, that we were never taught or something that you see with your clients or even with the people that read your book that are like, oh my God, really? Oh my God, so many basic
1: things. Uh, (laughs) What what is it like that um, you should always be lubricated if you've got a vagina? um, Mm,
0: Not that one.
1: And you should be like really lubricated. Um, I think that there is a narrative that um that sex is meant to be painful like the (gasps) like there's like yeah 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 there's um a lot of people who come to me and they say oh yeah I've just been told for so many years like that it's going to be like the first time it's going to be really painful Mm -hmm. and and, you know I was waiting to expect that it was going to be painful so um Uh, Yeah. It's, it's always been like that. And I'm like, no, 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 sex is not meant to be painful, you know, and we need to figure out why you're feeling this pain as well. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, I also think like there is this kind of narrative that, um, that penis owners should always be ready for sex and they're always horny Mm. and they're ready to Mm -hmm. go. And if they're not getting an erection, then it's your fault or like there's something wrong with them right? There's something wrong with them. And that's really hard for them to live up to that kind of expectation. Um, And I really think as well, we have to just normalize that sexual problems will happen for everyone at any point. Um, And it's pretty normal to have a question or a problem with sexuality at some point in your life as well. I think that we have to talk about the fact that we have to continue developing and learning and yes. growing in, in the bedroom, not just sticking to the same thing that we've always been doing, because that's pretty boring, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, well, I yeah, don't want that. <laughs>
0: well, also, it's a fluid thing, right? I mean, even in your book, you mentioned that um, about. You know your sex drive and your libido and like Mm. it's sometimes being low and that being very normal that if you're in a long-term relationship that it will fluctuate and i think people judge themselves so harshly um where you wouldn't judge yourself as harshly maybe like let's say about food preferences right (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. like oh i've had this phase where i ate a lot of sushi and then (laughs) and -hmm. then now i really like italian and you wouldn't really think about that as in like a oh no why don't i like sushi anymore Mm -hmm. um where we are way more graceful with each other um i i really like what you said about penis owners and the pressure that's put on them because i think there's also it's a strange um again setup for failure i think where on the one hand a woman thinks like she needs to be hot enough just being sitting somewhere that he would have to get an erection just looking at her, right? Anytime he just turns around, <laughs> mm, and totally. the same at the same time, I feel like penis owners, of course, also need to be desired and feel that they are wanted. Mm,
1: absolutely, and that oh, often of doesn't happen. I think we discount the fact that that there are feelings involved, right? A lot <laughs> yes. of the time, like the, we think, oh no, it, like I often think that we. And this is actually, we have to assess our internal misogynism when we think this, like we look at those who have penises and go, oh, they should like, they don't have feelings or they're internalized or they're tough or they're strong. And like, no, I mean, you lean into your masculine and your feminine, no no matter what gender you are, but we are forcing penis owners often to lean into their masculine. And to a point where it's like not healthy, right? And it's not realistic either. Yes. So I think we need to redefine what sex is for us and how, what it means to us as well. And I think that's a question that you have to ask every sexual partner. Like, what does sex actually mean to you? Like, why do you do it? I love that. Yes, because I think there's
0: there's also something about you write about gender in your book, and I think um what is you, you have like a little bit of an um example list of um cultural ideas of what a gender means right or mm-hmm. what a woman or a feminine trade could be or a masculine trait could be but i think mm-hmm. that's exactly what the problem is right that we also categorize sex um if you're a woman or a man or a they you have to like sex like this or this is what you're supposed to do because you're a certain gender. This is what you like mm-hmm. to do. I think power play is a, probably a good example for that as well where who is to say that a man who likes to be submissive or a penis owner who likes to be submissive, that that is not a masculine trade? Well,
1: it, well, that's the thing. Yeah, Don't you think that actually maybe – it can be a masculine trait, right? Like Of course. Isn't it powerful to be able to say, and you and I can see this, you and I know that actually it's very powerful that as a mask to be able to say this is what I like and this is what I want you to do to me, like mm-hmm. that's, that's very powerful. Um, and I think that that can, if you want that to be a masculine trait, then that can absolutely be a masculine trait. It doesn't have to be that definition for everyone But God, I find that so hot, right? Totally. I mean, I think in general, anybody
0: who is confident in their own sexuality, in in their um, desires and confident Mm. enough to communicate that to a partner, like that is an attractive human that is confident in themselves and has explored themselves Mm. kind of in spite of all the negative information that
1: was Mm. told to us, Mm. you know? Oh, my God. 100% 100%. and that's like I think when you gain more experience and you can really listen and like talk to people about these kind of things, then you you realise that these narrow views that you have been conditioned to believe are true are just so not like they're just so unrealistic a lot of them and we find out that sex and desire and eroticism and pleasure is so individualised. It's not something that we can logically even measure on a scale and that's why we know so little about sexuality because we cannot define people's uh interests and and pleasure uh levels on a scale because what what for me might feel like for example if I say oh I've got such a high sex drive if you had the ability to come in and feel my high sex drive you might go well that's kind of like that's my medium, right? Like I can go higher than that. It's all—it's all, it's all uh, you know, about perspective and about how you feel. It's not about comparing yourself to others at all.
0: Yes, totally. <laughs> You'll have to adjust that to, like you said, <laughs> to every partner, right? What does it mean to be very sexual? Like for some people, it will mean something completely different, and to others, one of the chapters in your book is called "Good Sex and How to Have It." Yeah, um, yeah. and you include a sex checklist and a sexual menu list basically and I loved this idea and the way you executed it um could you explain really quick to people who haven't read the book what those two things are
1: Mm, yeah so a sex menu can be like all the things that you might want to do and put on your sexual menu for that encounter with someone or future encounters with someone so um like so many things that we have that we don't even experience in the bedroom because we might not know that they're possible you know so a sexual menu could be like i might want to go in and and have like oral sex anal sex use a toy do 69 whatever that's on my sexual menu for today but i've given you a whole list of options and this is just one list of things yeah. that you can add to the menu and then we have a checklist of things that i do want to do that are a hard yes uh things that are like a maybe and things that are a no so you can say uh i'm like maybe a no on anal sex but i'm a hard yes on oral sex right so yeah that's a good way to present to your sexual partners or even to yourself and say this is this is what i like want to do what do you want to do like let's compare lists Yes, for sure. I um I
0: know the yes, no, maybe list a little bit from the King community mm-hmm. where they talk about that quite a bit, I think, which can also be something, right, that you could add to your sexual menu would be different fetishes or something. But mm-hmm. I wonder if most people haven't even asked themselves to the question what they would like to explore. So then they see this list in your book, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And you were surprised by how little you actually think about I would assume, you know, if you don't, if it's not like the two of us, you know, working in this field and asking yourself a thousand questions constantly. But if, you know, if you just haven't really thought much beyond like the typical things that you do in bed and how much more there is out there to explore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many, there's so many things that we don't think about, like even nipple clamps, like, but it's mm. actually surprising for me as someone who talks about toys on my Instagram every like every second day basically or every day almost (laughs) um it's so surprising to me because sometimes I'll put up like a reel that shows you where to use that toy and people's like these are toys that I think are super easy to figure out right like a clitoral uh vibrator Mm -hmm. or uh, a g a g-spot dildo but when I put up these reels that say where to put them People message me and say, thank you so much for showing me where to put them. Oh, I didn't really? know. It's very hard to figure out. And I'm like, what? And I once had a patient mm. who put a womanizer, which is a clitoral toy, the inside best toy. Her, <laughs> no, inside she did not. Her. And I'm like, how? Oh. Like, how did she fit that in there first and foremost? That wouldn't have been fun. But second of all, that's that, like I would have thought it was pretty self-explanatory. Yes, I would
0: have thought so too. Mm. But, you know, I mean, I think this is where where we go back to maybe basic anatomy, right? If Mm. nobody ever told you about all the different parts, let's say, of a vulva, right? Mm. Yeah, A lot of women or, you know, vulva owners, I guess, have never even looked at their own vulva. I mean, I think this is always Mm. so surprising to me because I was a very curious child. So I took a mirror, you know, without my parents knowing really early on, (laughs) just to be like, well, how does this look like? Just more of a curiosity not even out of sexual exploration right just kind of like oh this kind of feels good down there what is this um Mm, but still obviously as a kid not knowing that I have a clitoris but Mm. it's interesting um, to me that so many people have this shame around their genitals it's a sad truth but it makes sense considering our culture that there's Mm. so much shame around our genitals And especially the vulva, I think, because of, you know, bad jokes about smell or whatever, um, Mm. that that will not even make women look. Mm, I mean, for me in general, I was just thinking about this actually this morning (laughs) because I was masturbating in the shower. I know there's this whole like this movement against phallic toys, which I don't really Mm. care about because whatever feels good, feels good to you. But mm. I like my clit to be stimulated. I always used to use my vibrator, it was shaped phallically. Mm. I always use it just on my clit, not inside of me. I think maybe some women I could imagine also try using just dildos and they're like, well, I'm not coming from
1: this. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're like in their condition to think that they uh, are meant to have G spot orgasms, right? Because that's yes. what we learn about in the movies.
0: It's and, interesting you talked about the the G spot in your book, and um, obviously there are so many opinions about the G spot, this mythical place. <laughs> so, uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about the G spot? Like,
1: does it exist? What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a um, like a G area is probably what I would say is like more accurate. I love that um, description yeah because like we're all looking for this like magical spot like I remember being younger and like feeling around in there I was like where is this fucking spot like what am I meant to be feeling seriously it's like looking for a button and it doesn't
0: exist where's the Um, switch
1: no exactly so I'm looking for the switch it's not there and uh I really think that we need to expand it to an area because it is an area where there are kind of nerve endings that are closer to yeah the vaginal walls and it's up inside the the vagina um if you use like a finger or two fingers you put some lube on them you point them up towards your belly button so your fingers are curled there should be like a bit of like squishy feels weird like it feels like a yeah like a walnut if it was soft right i think the problem with this is we we are taught like like through the movies that you put a penis in and then like four seconds later after a couple of pumping you're both <laughs> orgasming at the same time and people are going okay well where are they having an orgasm from it must be from this g-spot um and freud you know who is uh, part of like psychological uh, history had said uh, if you don't have a g-spot orgasm then you are inferior as a yes. woman so you have what a to lovely be fella, <laughs> Thanks, Sigmund. Um, You're wrong. <laughs> and yeah, I, I really think that you can have a look at that area. And of course, you can do things like have um, penetration. I think if you're sitting on top and leaning over your partner mm-hmm. and um, moving up and down on there, then you have more of a chance of hitting that that kind of G area. But if you want to have a good orgasm, you can focus on the clitoris. Uh, that is you know where where most vulva owners are going to find more success in terms of having an orgasm so yeah yeah the g area is there uh, and it's it's nice but you don't have to you don't have to aim for that g spot orgasm right you yeah. can just have fun with that instead for me regarding the g
0: area i guess um for me it's only stimulated in certain positions mm-hmm. anyways in um, some i really don't feel that as much um and like you said i exclusively uh squirt not exclusively but most of the time from being on top mm. and there's yeah. really barely any other positions that i will get that stimulation from
1: yeah 100% um,
0: yeah and that moving up and down and like also kind of backwards and forwards but i mean everybody will have to probably figure out Also with their partner, right? Because penises are bent into different directions.
1: (laughs) Totally, totally. So you need to kind of figure out the puzzle. (laughs) Pointed a bit of a different way. Yeah, and like whoever's listening, um, as Lara said, like you've got to find your own recipe, right? Like I can't orgasm be – I can't squirt or uh, when I'm on top um, and to have a G-spot orgasm like – I actually need to have different areas mm. to be stimulated, to be able to have, like, yeah, a bit of a blended orgasm, I would yes. say. Whereas one of my best friends, like, she can squirt by using just, like, like a flat clitoral toy, not even, like, a, a – Oh, really? Air, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She just uses, like, a palm vibrator on her clit, and she can squirt <gasps> on that. So, like no. – yeah, everyone's got the different recipe, right? Mm-hmm, for sure, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And I think
0: that is the thing that also went to, or several, I guess, people come together <laughs> to kind of figure out how um, you can, I guess, push each other's mm. buttons <laughs> Yeah. 100%. to go back to the,
1: to the switches and the buttons. Yeah, 100%,
0: 100%. What I really liked about... I think it's more towards the end of your book when you talk about sexual problems. Mm. Um, because this is obviously your your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. What can you see as like one of the most um, common issues that people or you don't want to call it issues, right? I kind of like that you said something about the dragon.
1: It's like when we talk about things like depression or like anxiety and we're like, I am like I like you encompass it into yourself. I think like sometimes you can mm-hmm. just say actually like I have anxiety. Exactly. It's not it's a part difference. of me. Like it is yeah. separate. It's like a dragon or like a cloud that kind of comes in and yeah, I want it yeah. to it's be a separate. state
0: not like yeah. a personality trait.
1: 100%, 100%. Yeah. So I think like even like with sexual problems I don't define you. Like they I have erectile, I am like erectile dysfunction. Yes, you might have it. doesn't mean that you're not going to be great in the bedroom or like be able to please your partner. Like it's all about pleasure sex, right? It's not about performance. So yes. if if you can like try and see it a little bit differently and try to switch your mindset and go, okay, well, yeah, like there's one thing that I can't do, but there are so many other things that I can do. Right. And I think that's Super important um, to view it in a much more positive light, and and move away from what you think you should be doing to what you can actually be doing. Yes,
0: yeah, for sure,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Because I think as as you also talk about shame earlier in the book, and I talk about shame a lot on this podcast, um, that even STIs or any of these um, any of these things related to sex induce so much more shame than if you would let's say have a cold right (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though maybe the difference isn't that big just because Mm -hmm. sex has this stigma um, it's made into this shameful we can't discuss it you can't even tell anybody you've had it or you have it Mm -hmm. kind of issue Mm -hmm. Um, where then I think I'm assuming too a lot of people wouldn't even go to a sexologist because they're too afraid
1: yeah yeah They probably don't know what they're expecting in there. It's changing. I definitely think it helps that a lot of us are on social media and Mm -hmm. that people can see our personalities, our expertise, what we do, how we speak. Um, I think that's super important to feel comfortable and safe. Uh, So definitely it's becoming much, much, much more popular um, and easier to access. But yeah, there's a lot of, like, for every one person I see, I'm, I'm guaranteeing there's thousands of other people that have exactly the same problem, but, yes, you know, that aren't coming in or that, that don't have access to someone like myself.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, so about common problems.
1: Mm, yes, so... Common reasons to go to see a sexologist. Mm, yeah, so, okay, yes, I think that there are are so many that we probably don't know about there are the typical things like um erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation desire problems but then there are things like i can't have an orgasm or i feel pain with sex or i've had cancer and now i you know it's affected my sexuality or i'm going through menopause um and you know, or like I had a baby and I don't know like where my libido has gone or like I have no time and everyone, I'm being touched 24-7 and I don't want anyone to touch me. Like there are these things that sometimes we just cannot figure out ourselves and we need to have someone else there to just help us guide, like find, find kind of a direction to reach our goals. And that goal might be I might want to feel open to getting a massage from my partner or I might want to be able to give a hand job one day or I might just want to have sex that isn't painful. Like all of these things are very reasonable, um, very reasonable goals to have. And, uh, you know, it can be achieved in a therapy room for sure.
0: A lot of people wrote in um, and asked questions about their sexuality Mm -hmm. for us to take a look at for Mm -hmm. you as the professional.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm excited.
0: Somebody's asking, what are some ways my hubby and I can ask the STI status of a third partner
1: party? Oh, yeah, that's such a good question. And it's actually like much easier than you think. Basically, what you can do is just say, hey, like we're really um, we're really into uh, health and we just want to make sure that we're all up to date with that test. Can you just send through your latest STI check before we get down and dirty? Yeah, that's super easy. Like that's something that I used to do when I was single. And I was uh, going to be hooking up with someone. i will be like, "When was the last time you got a test? How did it go, etc." And look, people lie. If you're worried about someone, oh, absolutely. not telling the truth. Yeah, just say like, <laughs> "Can you send through your latest results?" It's so reasonable to do. If they can't produce it, then they haven't got the results.
0: So yes, and I think you most don't have people. To stay with them i mean i don't want to say this
1: really but i do think most people lie <laughs> i think they so too. i've had like partners lie and i'm like what are you doing like, oh just- totally
0: i've had partners lie and i'm like mm, you've had one probably a year and a half ago and i don't know how many partners you had since then right because it's always like yeah. this kind of thing um oh, yeah. i think people are more careful about COVID than they're with stis and when i was single i would get tested very regularly Mm. You know, like every couple of, like for me, it would probably be like every four months or so. If yeah, having similar. Yeah, similar. I mean, mm. just to make sure, you know, and like for myself, really. Mm. Um, but also for your partners. So it's so nice. I think, you know, people have a lot of stigmas around, um, STIs in general, but also asking. When I started asking questions, that I didn't grow up learning about being able to ask a partner you know I was like oh I don't know you're not supposed to ask this for me mm-hmm. maybe not the STI question but like in general I think it's very sexy and such a turn-on when somebody starts talking to me about what I like and what I prefer
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not a lack of knowledge because nobody's a mind feeder here
1: no and you know it's just what? curiosity is power the more you yes. know the more you're able to, to have a conversation about it Yeah. And that's a great lover, I think, who asks things like that.
0: Also, Mm. it makes people feel safe. I do feel like if I get asked about STI tests or protection, right, Mm. or birth control, it makes Mm. me actually feel kind of safe because I'm like, oh, there's somebody taking this kind of seriously, right? Yeah, Somebody who's not just concerned about their safety, but also my safety in our communication about
1: that topic is really... It's a nice trade, people. <laughs> totally. You want to make people feel safe within your uh, space, 100%. Yes.
0: Next question. What kind of precautions can I take for anal rimming?
1: Oh, good, good question. So um, it really depends, like, on who you're doing it with. And, um, yeah, safety, of course. Like, if you're with your partner and you might know, like, their hygiene and their STI status, et cetera, just doing things like using, I would use like a, a nice lube, maybe a flavoured lube if you want it to taste good. It's not going to taste bad, um, of course, if yeah. everything is I mean, it's, it's um, clean. <laughs> yeah, if everything's clean, like, and and in terms of clean, that just means like your person's had, a, had like a shower recently or yeah. like, you know, is like wiping their bum properly, <laughs> like those kind of things. <laughs> Um, but I would just say like, why don't you, why don't you try it in the shower with someone if you like, like, why Uh, don't you both jump in the shower together and then you rim them? That's a really nice idea. That's a great Um, idea. Yeah. And like, don't stick anything inside them. If you're saying that you're starting with rimming, you start with rimming on the outside. Right. Um, and I just think, enjoy use a flat tongue use a pointed tongue go round and round if you are doing rooming on someone that you don't know and you're just just a little bit unsure and you're worried about things like stis and what you can do is use a dental dam or you just cut open a condom you cut off each end and down the middle and then you have a flat piece of uh you know plastic that you can put over the top of the butthole and look around that get a flavored condom even better Oh, cool. I have never even thought about that.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think with women, clearly it's just about um being kind of like a hygienic person. But I guess with anal, um, I'm just gonna say I'm not sure if somebody wrote in that question, but I'm just gonna go further and talk about mm. anal. Um, because obviously people some people are concerned, um, some people are not, right? Regarding, you know, I don't know, accidents or some people do shred or doing an enema um a lot of my gay friends do a lot of enemas (laughs) and have anal diets and stuff but what would you um (laughs) seriously what would you recommend um for uh, hygiene regarding anal sex
1: totally and i guess it is like the same with rimming as well like in terms of diet, you don't want to be eating anything, like, that's heavy. You don't want to be eating, like, beans or anything that's going to make you fart because you don't want that during, like, it'll happen. Don't be ashamed if, like, if you do fart, uh whatever, it's part of life. If you're going down there, that's what comes out of the body down there. It's If it happens, it happens. You yeah, yeah. It's designed for that, not for your, you know, mouth to be around it. <laughs> so... Um, You can also do things like, yeah, you have to use lubricant because there is no natural lubrication um, on the anus. Use lots of it. Use a silicone one if you are using um, like a penis down there. If you're using a toy, um, yeah, a water-based one would be best Uh, Mm. and just keep applying it. Um, In terms of anal, look, if someone is getting penetrated, that's the person in control. So if you're getting a penis put inside you or a dildo or a finger put inside you, you are the one who calls the shots there especially if it's the first couple of times and you are not within like a rhythm with your partner. Um, you know, you have to say like, go slowly, you know, go in when I say I'm ready um, yeah. do what I want, etc. It's not about the person who's penetrating you at that point. Um, and just find a comfy position. It doesn't have to be on all fours. You can just be lying on top of a pillow. So have your pelvis tilted up. Um, you can, you know, have your legs spread or have them together. It's really about finding the right rhythm for you. And I think it's good to just be relaxed. You have to have a lot of like play before you go into anal sex as well. It's not just something that you can just rush straight into. If it's your first time, it has to be planned, prepared, and you need to be feeling good and feeling fun and excited about the activity. Right. For sure. I mean, I
0: think with anal one thing that it depends on for me is also the size of the penis, if that is what you're using. Just mm-hmm. because with some you have to go slower, and you know, just because of size, it will be. If it's your first um, first time, mm-hmm. and somebody has maybe like a larger penis, you'll probably have to go slower just the, the reality of, the, of that one yeah, um 100%. so i i love i love starting with toys before um before having anal sex because then you can already kind of yeah. warm up
1: um, absolutely i totally agree that's a really great way to go and it's something that i recommend for anyone who's trying anal sex for the first time i also recommend like having a clitoris if you're someone who has a clitoris Hold your clitoral toy on your clit while you're getting anal because you're then controlling mm. your pleasure at the same time. That's lovely. I've never done this. Yeah. I always think if there's someone in the back door, I'm going to be controlling <laughs> like my pleasure spots for sure. That is a great point. I mean, I do this with
0: like um, penis and vagina sex, but I've never done it with anal. It's a great, mm. great point. Mm. Um, very different question now um but very valid and i think this probably expands to more um more areas but someone asked how do you get back to partnered sex after many years out of the game mm-hmm. anxiety is
1: high i think you probably need to do a little bit of therapy first and foremost um mm-hmm. if you can afford it if you can't afford it i think you need to um just have a really straight up conversation and say look i want to get back into it I'm feeling pretty nervous. It's going to be weird to start Um, and uh, I I think that we just, we need to have a giggle around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I think that's the best way to go. People forget about this all the
0: time, right? That sex is supposed to be fun and that also means that you should
1: have real fun in the bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. It's not serious business. (laughs) yeah absolutely it's not it's just really like it's really about enjoying yourself having a giggle um you know really just leaning into the fact that you're both humans and you're trying to to do something that 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 doesn't always come naturally you know we're taught that we should feel like we spontaneously always want to have sex and it's always going to be there for the rest of our relationship but no it's something that definitely needs a lot of work and prioritization and um, yeah, there are going to be times where you don't have it as much and times where you have it a lot more, which is just super normal. It will ebb and flow. Yes.
0: I'm going to tag on to this question. What should people do, you know, if they come out of a relationship um, and they're maybe anxious, because I get questions like this, they may be anxious about having new partners. Um, is it basically the same same advice?
1: I think if you're starting to get into, like, casual sex after it's been a long time being with someone you just have to go back to basics and literally just sit down and go well what do i like in the bedroom what are things that i haven't tried yet maybe i want to give them a try what are things that i don't know about and i'm sure there will be lots am i am i able to actually say what i want am i able to say yes or no if you don't feel like you have capacity to do that then you probably need to spend some time in front of a mirror just practicing um, and just saying, yes, I want that. No, I don't want that. Hey, can we do this? Um, I I really like anal, da-da-da-da-da, or you can text it, et cetera. Like, I think that it's all about finding your power Um, and you can always focus on yourself first and foremost. Like, have you self-pleasured in a while? Um, have you seen yourself naked? Do you take photos of yourself naked? When is the space where you feel most sexy? Do you like wearing lingerie? Do you like it when you're, you know, just jumped out of the shower and you've got some clean sheets, et cetera? Find your sweet spots and then invite someone into that space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to like start with yourself and kind of reconnect to your own pleasure. I'm sure that's a good mm-hmm. place to start. Mm-hmm. 100%. Here, somebody asked, lessons, knowledge to know for first timers. Mm, what do you <laughs> think? Uh, well, I just wrote your book. So <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, well, in general, I, um, I always thought that it was so interesting to learn more about the hymen and that there is already a, what you say, a hole in it. So <laughs> it doesn't yeah. necessarily break. I mean, my hymen broke when sharing. I was <laughs> Yeah, exactly, you don't probably. Share. My hymen ripped, I guess, when I was a kid. So mm. I didn't really bleed when I had my first time, so that kind of was a little bit different. Um it was that the belief that you had that you had to bleed. I thought it would happen, yeah, but then I kind of re Yeah, I was I was 14 when I lost my virginity and mm. I or virginity, you know, <laughs> whatever that means. You your first sexual experience, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, but then I kind of was like, oh, it's strange. I didn't bleed, right? So in my mind, I was like, that's funny. I thought that would happen. And then I kind mm. of recounted this experience as a kid when um, I was pl- on the playground and I started bleeding. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, oh, that's probably when it ripped or when something ripped. Mm. Who mm. knows? But for me, I mean, I had my first time with my boyfriend at a time and I just had quite a lot of fun. So I always Mm -hmm. (laughs) have a bit of a hard time, you know. um, You know, I don't really have a story of it being very, it wasn't very painful. I mean, he knew it was my first time, it wasn't his. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was very turned on and I really wanted it and we went kind of slow,
1: but also I kind of enjoyed it, so. 100%, it sounds like you had a really wonderful time for your first strange.
0: (laughs) For yeah, sexual
1: sure. debut, you know, but that that should like that should be the normal. That's definitely like my normal. That's what I had, and I know like a lot of people have have also had that. But then there's a lot of people who haven't as well, Yes, um, for sure. And who've had very different experiences. So I think the main thing is if you are having sex for the first time, maybe like try and organize it like Lara and I did, like do it with someone that you love and that you feel comfortable with, or you don't have to love them, but that you're very drawn to and you feel safe with for yes. that first time. Yeah, safe is um, a good word yeah and don't have any expectation like don't expect that you're going to have an orgasm don't expect mm, that yeah. um everything's going to work I think just, I, mean, I don't
0: think I had an orgasm I'm like no, sure just,
1: <laughs> I always think it's better like the second time right I think like the first yeah, time's like yeah, okay like is that that's what it was and then the second time's like, oh yeah, yeah, I see what people are talking about. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think it's all about just, like, going in there and having fun. And I, I think talking about it with, like, people who are sex positive and, you know, your mm. friends that can be a little bit open with you is also, like, beneficial, right? Because then you're not alone. You can ask questions, etc. What yeah. was normal? What wasn't normal?
0: I mean, I'm always so excited, actually, for the people who write in who haven't had their first sexual experience because I'm like, wow, you're already educating yourself. And I really mm. wasn't, you know? So I think – this is already such a great place to be at, um, to start reading and listening, listening to podcasts, reading books, um, following sexologists um, on Instagram. You know, for example, to, if, if let's say you're not like in a place where everybody's very sex positive, you have ways to gather information these days. Um, and I really didn't very much so. So I think that is already so cool if somebody asks these questions um, and listens to a podcast about sex before they have it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And yeah, and therefore you're set up for a way greater time than most people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think so too. I think it's like all about making your own experience if you can bring uh condoms i really think sex sex is also like the best way to go for your first sexual experiences right
0: yes for sure and like you do have to think about birth control and stuff like that especially
1: if you're younger i mean you always have to think about birth control yeah (laughs) but if you have access to it for sure go go out there and get some birth control go out there and buy some condoms there's no shame in it there's no shame in buying condoms i don't know why people feel embarrassed about it oh it's funny i
0: don't i've never felt embarrassed well you know mm. I do also think like I didn't start buying condoms until in my 20s or something because I feel like the boys mm. always have the condoms <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, strange
1: yeah. make sure someone has them <laughs> exactly
0: exactly better you bring them in case he didn't somebody asked my girlfriend only comes if I suck her titties mm. and I last really long any tips okay. to enjoy it more
1: oh I mean it sounds like you're both enjoying it I, I hope. know that's I, what I, I mean it sounds like, like a, she, they're both coming I'm like wow. <laughs> yeah it sounds like it's good I mean I'm not I can't really actually give much advice on this one because I don't know about your circumstances like are you distressed with the type of sex that you're having are you distressed that your partner can only come through hmm. sucking her titties are you distressed that you're taking a long time uh, if so then maybe that's an opportunity to talk to a professional about it um instead or or a counselor of sorts. Um but if you're not distressed and you're enjoying yourself, then why don't you just add a little bit of variation? Why don't you get some nipple clamps in there? Mm, Why don't you um yeah masturbate with your partner like you can watch each other. Um why don't you yeah do things like add like temperature play like ice or like heat that kind of thing Um, not like hot boiling water of course but like (laughs) yeah like warm warm up like a a stainless steel or like a glass sex toy in some warm water not hot water um and uh you know or maybe just like do things like yeah rubbing right uh ice around the the nipples or something like that might um add like a different type of experience of course you yourself yeah. could always use like a cock ring that vibrates or you know masturbate onto your partner that kind of thing There's, there's so many fun things that you can do and i think you just have to, to think outside the box
0: yes yes
1: mm. i think that's where the
0: the sexual menu is also going to be helpful right to like kind of get inspired by other you know ideas that people have so you don't have to come you don't have to reinvent the wheel i mean people have come up with a lot of things to do in bed and (laughs) you can be inspired yes exactly (laughs) last question for the day i don't know if i am polyamorous or not i talked to my girlfriend about this and said that i'd like to try to go with others to understand but she doesn't like the idea obviously she can do it too and i will accept it this is difficult i feel like if your partner doesn't like the idea of something that you like Mm.
1: You're in a difficult situation to <laughs> negotiate with each other yeah, yeah I think that that's like if you don't like something you don't have to do it right like the amount of people that come to me and they're like I don't want to do anal sex my partner wants to do it it's not about like forcing your partner to do that thing right uh-uh. it's about saying like this is a no for now if you really want to do that in your sexual life I will consider it and we can think about different ways to make this happen or Maybe we can organize for you to see a sex worker, or maybe Mm, yes, yeah. Maybe like we obviously you want to like ensure that you're both having the best time and that you're reaching your sexual potential, etc. But it is really about negotiating with each other. It's definitely not about pushing each other to go in a certain direction. And you need to have trust there, right? There needs to be trust in that person. Yeah,
0: and I think, I mean, clearly there's going to be some things, like you said, I mean, I think I do have a friend um, whose partner goes to a sex worker for a specific fetish, for example, because she doesn't like doing it, you know? Mm. So there is ways to go around it. Um, When you said hard yes and hard no, you know? I think it's also Mm. some things you have to accept from your partner as a hard no as well and see if you
1: can deal with that, right? Mm, I mean… Absolutely. Absolutely. Like… It's not personal. It's not about you. It's about yeah. them. They don't want to do it. You have to respect yeah. that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. I really it's enjoy coming on here. And it's, it's always like best. a fun chat that we have together. So um, <laughs> Such a thank pleasure. you. And I'll, I'm sure I'll see you again very soon. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, really quickly before we go, how can people find your work? Okay, so I'm shadow banned on Instagram, but if you do look me up, same, I think same. we'll put a yes, we'll put a link in the show <laughs> notes anyway, so you can find me. But exactly, it's just Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist, and my website is www.chantelotten.com.
0: Great, and the book can be bought in Australia.
1: Yes, it can be bought in Australia. The sex ed you never had. Um, if you're overseas, sorry. I think that it's best to just follow my Instagram at that yeah. point, um, so I can give you some, yeah, some information. But uh, currently, we're not, um, we're not global with the book, but that's okay. Um, hopefully, I can give you as much as I can uh, online. And we also, you know, my clinic uh, accepts appointments from anyone all over the world. We see people so. Um, Yeah, if you need any help, you can always contact us.
0: Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on Pillow Talk. You can check out my incredible guest, Chantel Otten's work in the show notes. If you liked today's show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps us keep the show going. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. See you next Sunday.